0: well good morning folks how are you today good we are so glad to see you at church we are so glad to have you online and uh so glad wherever you have chosen us to join us whether you're in our wonderfully decorated newly decorated digs this is how it's staying um budgets and all that stuff um uh, or whether you're online in your PJs, we see it you in your PJs. That's not cool. This is, come on, man. Seriously. But thanks for joining us, folks online. Thanks for joining us, folks in town and uh, in the building here. We're so glad to see you this morning. Um, by way of introduction, before we jump into our uh, into our talk today. Um, I just thought I'd introduce myself. My name is Steve. Um, I'm the youth pastor here, have been for a year, almost 11 months and some days, probably. Um, and uh, so I'm glad to see a bunch of, uh, a bunch of my teens in here today um, to, uh, to listen to the message. Um, we're not outside as we usually are. We usually run away when Chris hits the stage. And it's nothing personal. We just have a youth group that happens on uh, during the same time. So here we are today, and we're so glad you've come. We're glad to see you. Um, so that's one of the capacities that I have uh, here at the church. We're, um, we've got about uh, 80 kids in total, ranging from grade uh, 6 to grade 12. Um, and so that's a lot of kids' names to remember. And then I'm also... Uh, the uh, downtown ministry coordinator, the outreach coordinator, so we have a, a vibrant work downtown Woodstock uh, where we feed people uh, for their physical needs, but we also uh, try to meet their spiritual needs as well. So that's 120 people down there, give or take. Um, we don't see 120 overnight, night, but uh, over the course of uh, the span of a week, we probably do see that amount. Um, God has not gifted me um, with the with uh, with name with with names coming to my mind. So if I see you um, outside or whatever, and I call you Bill, it's just in really good. Uh, I'm just humoring you. Actually, I probably can't remember your name. Um, but God has allowed um, me to remember names downtown. So that's really good when you're dealing with the demographic of of teenagers. Or else, for our friends downtown. Uh, remembering the names are important, so I give thank, I give thanks to God every time that happens. Um, I'm wearing a helmet today. Um, it's part of my part of my lesson. I will take it off, promise, promise, because um, this is probably not going off very well online. Um, uh, but it goes along with my topic, and uh, I also was monitoring the the people who were registering online. And I saw the people that promised to bring rotten uh, vegetables with them today. Once I heard I was speaking, they are here today. So uh, I had the, the good folks in our tech department put up the screen for me. So thanks, guys, for doing that. Um, so we're all protected back here. Um, I'll, get around, I'll get around to this, uh, to this helmet. Uh, later on in our talk, but I just want you to keep that keep that in mind. Um, so today I thought we I'd do a talk on what is truth. Uh, it was a question. Um, if you if you know the 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 story of Christ, you know the story of Jesus. You will recall this. If you're if you're not familiar, I'll bring you up to speed real quick. Um, Jesus uh, was was arrested. And he was taken um, before Pilate. He was the Roman governor of the to- at the time. Um, uh, Israel was under uh, Roman occupation, um, so they were an occupied state, um, and the Romans were in there, and uh, Jesus is arrested by uh, religious folks of the day who bring them in front of Pilate, Pilate the governor from Rome, he has no idea what's going on or what these accusations are. He, he can't decipher. He's having a really hard time deciphering what's, what's actually just their religious zealotry uh, coming forward or, or did this man actually claim to be uh, the son of God? What does that matter to me? I'm a Roman. Who cares? We have Caesar. Um, so he's trying to figure all this out, and in the process of the trial, he asked this question: "What is truth?" And that's the truth. That's the question that we're going to dive into today, um, and and look at that. <clears throat> now, by virtue of you being in church or watching a church service online, you're probably going to guess correctly that we're going to come across uh, come at this question from a Christian worldview through a Christian lens. Congratulations, you are right, um, and thanks for coming. No, we're actually going to dive into this for the next, uh, the next little bit. But I thought it would be interesting to go back in Scripture, uh, Scripture is the Bible, and uh, find out where exactly the first time <clears throat> truth was ever questioned. So what is truth is our question today, but when did that tr- question first happen? We don't have to go go very far into our Bible before we run across, um, we run across this question in other words. Um, so we're going to flip over in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. In Genesis 3 and 1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You won't certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. So, in today's vernacular, in today's words, what Satan was saying uh, to Eve was, really? He really said that. you actually think that God means you'll actually die? That's literally not the truth. Not at all. You'll be as smart as he is. And he can't have that, can he? Trust your instincts. You do you. If it feels good, do it. Go for it, girl. Live your truth. Ask yourself, has much changed since then? No, not really. Doesn't humankind have a propensity to still ask the same question as Pilate did? What is truth? In today's talk we're going to talk about we're going to look at the truth and try to discover whether it's subjective or objective. Subjective would just mean that it changes, the truth can change based on your opinion, or objective is that our opinions should be based on truth that doesn't change. Does a person's opinion dictate what truth is, or should truth inform our opinion? It's probably, uh, uh, sorry, a person doesn't have to look very far to realize that the society and culture that we live in today questions truth all the time. We are surrounded by people who, just like our video said, refer to things as being my truth. It's not my opinion. It's my truth. In my lifetime, the veracity of news that a newscaster would report on television or that a journalist would write in a newspaper or blog was, for the most part, taken for granted, taken at face value. We simply believed that that journalist had thoroughly researched the content of their story. They had fastidiously fact-checked it before it went to air or was published. But that isn't the case today. Accusations like fake news and a general sense of mistrust in our culture, probably that comes from a demographic of our society not uh, trusting exactly what the generation before did or said. Um, has left us in a place where we do our own fact-checking. We quickly reach into our pockets, whip out our little all-knowing phones, and do our own research, looking at unrelated um, sources, videos, social posts, uh, direct Twitter feeds, all in an attempt to verify the story that we've just heard. And we're not satisfied with the veracity of the story until we've done our own digging. And even then, we tend to have lingering skepticism. If it wasn't caught on camera, who's to say whether it happened or not, right? Not too long ago, when Facebook was new, and some of you will remember that if you admit it, um, I had Snopes.com, a website on speed dial, because people would put things on Facebook, they would share things and stuff like that, and you are going So I would go to Snopes.com and uh, punch in the story, and that was a verifying website. Put a lot of truck in what Snopes said. Um, They would would let you know if it was just a a rumor flying out there or whatever, and Snopes.com actually still exists. This talk is not sponsored by them, by the way. Um, So some people would post without much thought, Um, Some of the content was tongue-in-cheek, some was obviously erroneous, and other content looked and seemed very deceptively real. As a youth pastor, I sometimes see this myself. Uh, In my lessons, I love to use illustrative anecdotes to capture my audience's attention before diving deeper into a subject, and Man, I have to do some serious research on stuff. (laughs) Before I say something, I better know, I better have researched it myself. I can't just quote stuff that I heard years ago because now there are sources and they're readily available because Google. If something I say sounds like it may be hard to believe, I have been fact-checked. Out come the phones, right then, right there. I'm not complaining or saying there's anything wrong with that. That's a bad thing, necessarily. It's just what we tend to do nowadays. We tend to fact-check stuff. Part of being a youth pastor as well is spending time online to communicate with teens. Um, And while I'm there, I I also do some looking around to see what they're being exposed to. Later on in the year... Um, in September, we're planning to do uh, some symposiums when we, where we actually talk to, uh, to adults, talk to parents here, uh, and inform you guys what your kids are being exposed to because you may not know. That's part of my role is, to, is to, to know what's going on, to know what conversations are trending, to know what's happening online. What I come across on a daily basis is actually quite disturbing, especially on TikTok. People claiming to be Christians, stating things that are very anti-Christ. Stating that Jesus only died because he was a rebel and not because of the sins of the world. Stating that Jesus was actually, he didn't even die, he just swooned or fainted stating that Jesus was simply a man denying his, de- his deity and denying his bodily resurrection. This stuff is, is out there. And we wonder why our teens, with their impressionable, still-developing brains, at an age where they're forming their own opinions, we wonder why they're confused. It's no longer that uh, that friend group that you as, as an adult were Worn to stay away from or that cable TV show that was, that was sketchy or, um, or music or other content or, or a friend group. It's no longer that um, that challenges the biblical worldview that you may be teaching in your, uh, in your household. It's actually in your kids' pockets. It's who's in their pockets. And unfortunately, it's not just about outside influences anymore. But insiders, people who, because of what they're wearing and where they're standing, seem legit. Have I depressed you to this point? That's a very gloomy outlook, isn't it? Um, And you're so glad you came to church today, right? I mean, there's no carpet, and we won't be serving you coffee. Fantastic. Thanks for coming. All right, let's switch gears a bit. I want to direct these next comments to the teens. Uh, and the kids in our audience but adults you can listen in as well I want to start by defining truth by looking at what truth is not okay so then we're going to look at what truth is so we're going to discover that truth is not simply whatever works in reality lies can appear to work but they are still lies and not the truth Truth is not simply what's coherent or understandable. A group of people can get together and form a conspiracy based on a set of falsehoods that they all agree to tell the same story, but it doesn't make their presentation true. Truth is not what makes people feel good. After all, bad news can be true. Truth is not what the majority says is true. 51% of a group can reach a wrong conclusion. Truth is not what is comprehensive. A lengthy, detailed presentation can still result in false conclusions. Truth is not defined by what is intended. Good intentions can still be wrong. Truth is not how we know, but what we know. Truth is not simply what is believed. A lie believed is still a lie truth is not what is publicly proven. A truth can be privately known. For example, the location of a hidden treasure. So now that we've looked at what truth is not, let's have a look at in our Bibles and explore uh, what truth is according to the Christ, our Christian worldview. We're going to be spending time this morning examining the words that Jesus spoke and the times he mentioned truth. But first, I thought we would dive into the old testament grab a couple of verses from there and see if we can correlate them to the new testament so let's look at psalm 119 verse 160 psalm 119 verse 160 said all your words are true all your righteous laws are eternal all your words are true all your righteous laws are eternal and we're going to flip over to proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5 and that says Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. So bank those those verses in your mind. Pay special attention to the word, word. And we're going to dive over and look for a correlation in John chapter 1 and 1 in a second. In those two Old Testament verses, we're assured that God always speaks the truth and that a believer can absolutely be confident in his word. Let's quickly go over to the New Testament right now and reference the word there. In John 1 and 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You're tracking with me so far? You see the correlation with those verses in Psalm uh, 119 and verse 160? And... Uh, It says, again, all your words are true. All your righteous laws are eternal. And then in Proverbs chapter 30 and 5, it says, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. So if we remember what we just read in John 1 and 1, um, we discover that Jesus is the word. I'd like to spend the next few minutes looking at a few statements that Jesus made, paying special attention to the first two words in each statement. Each statement is going to begin with the words, truly, truly. So it's almost like he's saying, hey, you with ears, listen up. I'm about to hit you with the truth bomb. So that's what we're going to read from... John 8 and verse 58, where Jesus says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. In this verse, Jesus is establishing two things to his Jewish audience of the day. By stating that he pre-exists Abraham, and Abraham was their patriarch for whom they had the utmost respect, he's asserting that he is deity. And that he is even more important than Abraham. Jesus is letting them know he is an authority and he's worthy of their respect and time. In John 5 and 21, he says, Truly, truly, I say unto you, whoever hears my word and believes him that sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Jesus here is going a step further, not only claiming to be God, but also unequivocally, unapologetically, and boldly proclaiming that a person's belief in God, based on the truth that he, Jesus, speaks, is life-giving, life-altering, life-directing, redirecting. Recorded, Recorded from us in John 10 and 1, Jesus elaborates by saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by some other way, that man is a thief and a robber. To his audience, men, uh, many of whom were religious followers of Judaism in the day, his words were outrageous, narcissistic. His words were the words of a crazy person, dangerous words that would get him killed. Doubling down in John 3 and 3, Jesus pushes into his message again that he's the only conduit to God. His audience of one that day, a man named Nicodemus, we'll call him Dr. Nick. He had a PhD in Judaism. He was a smart dude. He was a guy who adhered to the law of Moses and and hundreds of other laws. Um, That was his way of currying favor with God. Jesus says to him, truly, truly, I say unto you, I say to you, that unto was a King James Version throwback. For anyone in the King James Version, that was, that was for you. Um, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Was Jesus absolutely delusional? out to get himself thrown in the madhouse? Was he trying to commit suicide by religious zealot, or was he speaking the truth? So far, we've seen Jesus claiming to be deity, claiming to be God. We've also discovered that he stated that he's the only way to heaven, his father's home. The only way to heaven, his father's home, is through him. Up to this point, he's made some pretty bold claims And it may be easy to say, he was simply spouting off. If you're aware of the Bible's narrative about the life and death of Jesus, you recall that his birth was miraculous. His life was exemplary as he went around healing people and feeding them. And his death was staggering, causing consternation both among his followers and skeptics. But his life ended brutally after kangaroo court that we mentioned earlier uh, allowed him to be crucified. It was during that mock trial that Pilate asked the question, what is truth? That started us on our journey of discovery today. Let's pick up the biblical narrative again. Interestingly, Jesus predicted his own death. Now here's, this is crazy because Not only has he been saying things, claiming to be God, claiming to be deity, claiming to have the keys to eternal life, claiming to be the only conduit to his father, those are all really strong uh, statements that he's making, and they they sound pretty out the lunch, but he's going to double down here and predict his own death, but he's also going to predict that he will resurrect again. This is the litmus test of what of, of what, why we're talking about this today, if he's uh, if this is right, this is a plot twist to end all plot twists. If he's right, this is life changing. If he's right, we've got to do something about this truth. Let's read John sixteen sixteen to twenty four. It's a lot of verses. Bear with me. We're looking for the words truly, truly in the middle of this in the middle of this scripture. Okay. A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said one to another, What is this that he says? A little while, and you will see me. And again, a little while, and you will. Sorry, uh, uh, you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, as they were saying this, what does he mean by it? He noticed he didn't didn't have to hear them saying this. He said to them, um, they're thinking this. Uh, We don't know what he's talking about, is what they're thinking. Um, There's a second here. Jesus knew what they wanted to ask him. So he said to them, Is this what you were asking yourselves? What I meant by saying a little while, and you will not see me, and again a little while, and you will see me? Truly, truly, there's those words again. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, She has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So he's predicting that he's going to die. He's predicting that he'll resurrect again. Miraculously, we don't know at this point, right, how that's going to happen. But he's boldly saying, I will see you again. So... This has got to get people thinking. If his predictions are accurate, we can logically, and it happens, we can logically be assured that his other statements, like when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, logically, we can, we can uh, gather that they were true as well. Up to this point, he's been writing a lot of checks. He's been making God claims. He's been claiming to be the only way of eternal life. He's He's been claiming that access to heaven is only through him. Jesus died, according to the biblical narrative, he died an extremely brutal death. And I just want to stop there for a second. And I want to kind of go off script and talk about what we've been talking about in youth. I believe that our kids nowadays are not instructed in school, unless they go to a Christian school, are not instructed in school of how to be critical thinkers and how to not just take everything they're told at face value, but how to think things through for themselves. So we've been looking at the writings of Josephus and other uh, Phineas and Ferb. I don't know. I don't remember the guy's names, uh, but Greek writers, secular writers that have written historical accounts that there was a Jesus, that he died, that people were worshipping him when he was alive, um, and that he miraculously came back to life and and reappeared. These are people that have no reason to back this story up. These are people who have no reason to be apologetics for for Christianity at all like we're doing today. These are atheists, these are agnostics, and at best they don't even care. But they're writing these things as historical, uh, just documenting what what happened. So we've been looking at that as a as a, a junior youth group, I think it's extremely important to dive right into that and and become critical thinkers. And not just to not just to base our our assumptions or our beliefs on what we've been told at home yeah that's dangerous but it's true folks if if we don't do that if i don't allow that to come into our my youth group and and, and ask them to be critical thinkers they're going to get it at, at school they're going to get it in the workplace people are going to challenge our work views our, our world views and if they are not equipped with those answers they won't, they'll flounder, and they won't know. And um, what happens is that um, if they're not equipped, they will fall for any whim that's, that's going on out there, right? They might not fact check. They might just fall for stuff. Um, so his death then, according to the biblical narrative, is witnessed by witnesses who wrote down a graphic detail. in in scripture is death devastated and demoralized his followers. And some of them quickly, they just went back to what he was doing before, what they were doing before he was around. So they went back to fishing or whatever it was. Um, They went back and just did those things, but then it happened. The Bible records that Jesus did in fact resurrect. He did in fact come back to life after three days. In other words, The check cleared. Everything he said, everything he predicted, came about. And so we can be assured then that in fact he is the truth. And we can be assured then that truth is objective. And we can be assured of the fact that truth doesn't change. So in a way, Pilate's question was sort of right and sort of wrong. Instead of what is truth, the question that he should have asked is who is truth? And that's a question that hopefully uh, we've answered for you today. And everything you've heard demands a response. The words of Jesus have been proven to be the truth. He is the truth. He is the way. He is the life. And if you haven't already accepted Jesus' claims as truth, you can choose to accept this or to remain cynical. But Jesus claims to be the only way to the Father, and I'd invite you to accept Jesus' truth as the truth. If you accept that truth today for yourself and believe that Jesus died for you, my Bible tells me that you'll set off a party of rejoicing in heaven. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word that corroborates the stories that we hear in the biblical narrative when your son was here and when he was uh, speaking and when he called himself the truth, the way, the life. We thank you for the foreshadowing of the Old Testament. We thank you for the truth that's manifests in the New Testament. We thank you today that we can have the Bible in front of us, that we can dive into it, that we can look at these things, that we can find that Pilate's question, what is truth, is actually answered in a person who is truth, and we have discovered today that Jesus is truth. I would pray today that as we uh, think about these things this week, and as we mold them over in our minds today on our way home, or with our family, or we're talking with friends, that um, if we haven't already, if folks here in this audience haven't already made um, a decision to follow after Jesus and believe that his truth is the truth and that their lives are founded on that, that, they would do that today and that quite literally, a party would start in heaven over them coming to the knowledge of their sins forgiven through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross for them. We thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So at the beginning of today, I came up with this thing, I'm I'm an avid cyclist. I'm not very good at removing masks, but I am an avid cyclist. And I wear this thing or something similar to this on me at all times when I'm cycling, and it's to protect my noggin. It's to protect bad things that could happen to it. I want to read a, a short scripture today. It's not on screen, so you're going to have to bear with me as I read it, and it's found in, Ephes- in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Talking about armor, right? And the shoes on your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith that you may be able to extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the word of, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Bring at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. If you know Jesus as your Savior today, you have been saved. You are equipped with the helmet of salvation. And I would encourage you as you go about this week and go about the rest of your lives to let you know that it's, it's, it's there for a purpose. It's going to protect you from the incoming junk of the world. It's going to protect you and filter out the stuff and you will be able to see what is true and what's not true. And if you haven't accepted Jesus as your savior, the promise is that if you do, you too will be equipped with the the helmet of salvation. And you'll be able to go through life and you'll be able to discern right from wrong as God wants you to discern. His truth will be clear to you and stuff that's not will be Will be exposed. I have a friend in the RCMP, and um, he's in the the counter co- uh, counter counter counterfeiting. He's in the counter counterfeiting uh, wing of the RCMP, and I said to him one day, I said, Gerard, what is it like? How do you recognize a fake?" And he said, "Well, we spend copious hours studying the real, studying." The true, what a true Canadian bill looks like in all denominations. And then when a fake comes our way we can definitely spot that. We don't need to spot, we don't need to study a fake in order to spot a fake. We need to study the truth and then when a fake comes along we know by easily recognizing it. But I would encourage you today um, to, to study the truth. God's word is truth study what he what he said that's uh the point of what we wanted to tell you today in an apologetics kind of way that jesus is the way the truth the life and um, we encourage you to go and have yourself a great weekend but still ruminate on these things you know a sunday service is just a sunday service if it doesn't affect your week right A sunday service is just words if it doesn't affect your life so i'm hoping and i'm praying that these words that were spoken today affect your life from now until you meet our Savior face to face. Study his truth.